Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Revelation 5. I'm going to go right back to where we started this whole series. Revelation 5. And this is uh, speaking of Jesus. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. That's the Father. That's God. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals, a perfect, unbreakable number. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I, this is John speaking, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. Let's pray. Father, God, I just, first of all, just pray. God, as we stand in in reverence and awe and respect of your word, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would Give us a new hunger for your word, that it would hold the right place in our lives. And we're sorry, God, for diminishing it, and we're sorry for getting in the way of it, and we're sorry for excusing it, and we're sorry for watering it down, and we're sorry, God, for the times that that we just toss it to the side. We ask this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would bring revelation to our minds and our hearts again as as we unpack What the word says, we ask for a new perspective. Father, I just, I surrender my tongue to you and myself to you, my mind and my own understanding. And God, I ask for understanding that comes from you. And I just pray, Jesus, as we look to you today, that you would meet each person here in exactly the place they need to be met. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just take authority over any unclean spirit that would want to disrupt the purposes and the plans of God over every heart and over every mind and over every family and every life represented here. We cancel the blinding effects of the enemy of God and the spirit of untruth in Jesus' name. And we ask, Jesus, for your truth, for your voice today, for your hope, and your restoration, and your deliverance, and your freedom here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you can sit for a little while. We might do some more exercise. Um, I just thought it'd be great to go back to where we started this. And this, this, I'm not even joking you when I say that these verses and this I guess perspective and for me a new revelation of these two natures of Jesus has been thoroughly just rocking my world. 
And, and I wanted to stick in, in this because there's so much complexity when it comes to Jesus. And there's so much to understand. And there's so many nuances to try and wrap our minds around. We're not in any way going to cover it all this morning. But I wanted to go back to Revelation because there's a couple things there that I just want to, to bring to your attention um, that I've been processing myself. And, and sometimes uh, Revelation can be a little bit confusing and hard to read. And we already talked about a few of the things a few weeks ago, but I just wanted to bring your attention to two things. One, this contrast that we began the series with, and the contrast is these 24 elders and these living creatures. So the 24 elders, there's literally 13 or 14 totally different viewpoints on who the 24 elders are. And as you study it, it becomes kind of quicksand that you can get trapped in. But probably the one that is, that is most consistent with other parts of scripture is not that the 24 elders are angels. Because it never says, actually, that the angels carry crowns or wear robes or anything like that. Actually, the 24 elders, most scholars believe, either are comprised of the 12 disciples and the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel or 12 redeemed that God has around his throne. And so these people and the living creatures, the four living creatures, represent all of creation. So everything that God has made is represented and in front of him. And from their perspective, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. When they say, stop crying, John, it's because as they look at Jesus, from their vantage point, from their spiritual perspective, they're seeing a lion. But when John opens his eyes, he sees a lamb that looks like it was slaughtered. And we talked in the first week about this contrast and this understanding that, that I think what, what, is, what is being communicated here is John is representing humankind. He's representing us here. He's representing Jesus' face to humanity. And that in a spiritual realm and in a spiritual sense, he walks like a lion. But as he interacts with the world and those around him, those that don't even know him yet, he carries himself like a lamb. And these are these two, what seem to be contrasting perspectives of Jesus. And last week we looked at uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and we talked about um, actually the verses from Isaiah that Pastor Alex read this morning that he is called a man of sorrows. And today, kind of the spin, in addition to Jesus being the lion and the lamb, that I want to walk through is Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And I want you to turn with me. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you uh, to open them up. Um, in a, I don't know when we're going to do it, but as a staff, we've just been talking about uh, the need for us there's just something different about the physical Bible when you have it. There's nothing wrong with our digital Bibles and our phones, and I, I, I use that all the time. But as a church, um, probably later this spring, we're going to walk through a, a season where we're actually not going to have the words on the screen behind you. And we're going to challenge you to bring your Bible and to start marking it up and to, to make it your own, 
Because there's something that happens when you turn in your Bible and see notes that you've written years ago sometimes. There's just a richness and a depth. And so that doesn't mean that our digital methods are wrong in any way. It just means that there's something different sometimes that happens when we have ink and paper. And so I want you, if you have it, to turn uh, with me to the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. It will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, so don't feel bad Um, now that I've guilted you. (laughs) We're going to buy a ton of Bibles just to give them away to everybody um, when we do it so that everybody has one. But uh, Matthew chapter 10. This is, this is a, just a powerful, powerful description and story of these two contrasting natures of God at work. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. You know, as Brenda came up today... I wondered, as I was standing there, I wondered how many of you went, yeah, right. I don't know if I believe her. Does God still even do that? Does Jesus do that? And I want to categorically affirm that yes, he does. Jesus has not changed. He never will change. As we're going to see today, his whole ministry on, in life, his whole ministry was dealing with the supernatural powers and authority, dealing with healing and sickness and recovery from those who are oppressed and bondage breaking. This was normal in Jesus' day. This was the normal way that he carried himself. And we've lost something over the years. We walk in knowledge, but not in experience. We walk in theory, but not understanding. And God is calling us again back to this place where where we put our knowledge aside and we say, God, I want you to use me powerfully. I'm available, God. I don't know how it all works and I don't know how you move and I don't know the answers to all the questions. But God, if you did it in the Bible and if you did it in the New Testament and if you did it with your disciples, I believe you want to do it again today. There's a, I'm going to just, there's a demonic doctrine that's the cessation of the gifts of God. And it is from the devil. He wants to neuter and castrate your authority and your power. And gets you to believe that following Jesus is an intellectual proposition. We need our minds fully engaged. But we also need to trust in the name and in the authority of Jesus. So if there was someone here, like Brenda mentioned, who's been dealing with that, Jesus has and wants to heal you today. He wants to bring you life and freedom. This is his whole nature. And this is the contrast that he walked with. That when we talk about Jesus encountering and engaging with the spiritual world, he walked like a lion, fearless. And he's inviting you and I not to replace him, but to actually just walk behind him. I was thinking about that this week and I was asking God, like, I don't know, am I like a junior lion that's behind you? And I don't know why, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit, but then just in my mind, I pictured this fat tabby cat just laying on a window and I'm like, no, no, I don't, that's not what I want to be like, you know? And I'm thinking Garfield here and God, no, no, you, you created me to be a lion, but Jesus teach me to walk behind you. 
and teach me to see what you do and to hear what you hear and to follow where you lead. I don't want to be a fat orange tabby cat laying on the window. I don't, and sometimes I feel like that. But Jesus takes these 12 that he's been pouring his life into and he sends them out. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles yet or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. So this is Jesus' instruction. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes, or sandals, or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take it back. I just want to stop there for a minute. In the book of uh, Luke, he actually describes this a little in clear detail. Luke 10 verse five says, whenever you enter, this is the same conversation just from a different perspective. Whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, then the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return. Okay, so that's what Jesus is saying. I just want to jump ahead here. This is, I encourage you to read this whole thing. But I want to jump to verse 34 because this is the, the verse that has just arrested me this week. Verse 34, Matthew 10. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace. What do you mean, Jesus? You just said, when you walk to somebody's house, declare peace be on this home. And Jesus says, don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace but a sword. And I believe that this verse speaks exactly to the heart of what we've been learning. What is Jesus actually saying when he says, look, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. This actually can be expressed on many different levels, but the one that I want to focus on today is Jesus is saying, I didn't come to bring peace to you and make you feel good spiritually. I came to give you the strength to cut out of your life the stuff that is holding you back and to gain victory and deliverance and authority in your own life. I actually came to bring you a spiritual sword so that you can do battle effectively in your life, so that you can overcome the assignments of the enemy and the things that are holding you down, your fear and your depression and your anxiety, all of these things, your anger, all of them, your lust, all of them. I came to bring a sword and to put it in your hand so that you don't have to walk around wounded and defeated and broken all the time. I didn't come to bring peace and make you feel good and make you come to church every week and just get your fix and your high 
And here's the thing about the presence of Jesus. When the presence of Jesus is active in our life, it causes turmoil. And some of you may even be feeling that right now. It stirs things in us that we we don't understand or maybe even know. But it's this inner conflict and it's the, the Spirit of God battling those things in our life that we've elevated to a place they don't belong in. And so Jesus is saying, I've come to deal with your inner life first. And I didn't come to tell you it's all good. I came to tell you I have the strength and the authority through my name for you to walk in victory internally, spiritually, like a lion. So that externally, you can carry yourself like a lamb with gentleness and humility. And so these disciples, these 12 disciples go out and, and Jesus' instructions, like what parent would ever send their kids out and say, look, take your clothes off, you know, it's, it's minus five this morning, you're going to go in a t-shirt, you're going to go in shorts, uh, you're not going to take your bike, you're not going to do any of that, just head out because uh, you're going to just trust God along the way. Like we don't actually do that. But Jesus, in this story, as this first assignment for his disciples on their own, was saying, look, the very first thing you need to understand is that you need to learn to trust me. The things that we carry in our life, they're not necessarily bad or wrong. It's just that when we have maybe some extra change in our pocket, it's easy to just coast a little bit. And when we feel clothed and taken care of with everything, it's easy just to start to rely on that stuff. And it's not that those things are bad. But there can be a temptation to put our trust and our faith in them. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm sending you out this time and I'm sending you out with nothing except me. But what you carry through me is sufficient for you. If you have given your life to Jesus, what you carry in the presence of Jesus is sufficient for anything you could ever face. And so Jesus is saying, look, I didn't come to bring just peace and happiness. That actually can come, but that comes after we're willing to do battle with our inner person. It comes as we're willing to take on those things in our life that we know are pulling us back and holding us from our full potential. And so Jesus said, if you actually start to walk in the way that I'm telling you, Things may feel like on the external side of it in your life and the things you see with your eyes and you hear, it may feel like there's chaos going on, but there's this unusual thing with the peace of God. And the peace of God is not a thing, it's not a feeling, it's a person. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the Holy Spirit lives in us and dwells us. You're not carrying a thing around with you. You're actually carrying the presence of God. 
And so what Jesus is saying is when you go to somebody's house, you declare peace over it. You actually declare the spirit and the presence of God over that home. It's not a feeling that you're declaring over it. No, I'm actually carrying the fullness of the power that raised Christ from the dead in me. And when I go into an environment, I can actually declare that and send that out in front of me as a covering, as a blessing to the people that are around me. And so the Holy Spirit didn't come just to to fix you. He came upon you so that you could send him out as, as an authority and a blessing over the people around you. And so Jesus is saying, look, it's not just a feeling I'm sending you with. I'm sending you with my spirit, the prince of peace, and you carry him. And so when you walk into these strangers' homes, when you walk in there, declare that presence over that home. And in your life and in my life, whatever we're facing, God is saying, look, you actually have the authority to declare my presence over everything you're going through. Everything you're going through. I heard a preacher a few weeks ago, he was preaching on uh, the baptism of Jesus and he, he made some really great points. And, and one of them that I've just been kind of uh, thinking through and processing is, you know, um, he talked about the fact that the dove did not descend onto Jesus until Jesus had actually walked in obedience and gone through the steps of obedience. That he actually needed to die to himself first, be raised up in baptism, and that as he actually walked in obedience, that presence of God came down. But so often what we want to do is we want to sit in our place and say, God, I want you to fix all of this stuff around me. Or God, I'm too terrified to move. I don't know where to go or what to do. And Jesus is saying, look, if I sent the 12 out with nothing, you can trust me with your life. You can trust me with what you're going through. You can trust that I am enough for you. You can trust in my presence, in you and through you. And so these 12 go out and they have this amazing encounter and they do these incredible things and they come back and Jesus still has a lot to teach them. But they live in this reality and in this world that I so desperately am longing to understand and live in. And God, how do we live as ferocious lions spiritually over our families and our friends? How do we go to battle spiritually, but walk in peace externally? How do we face this tempest and raging storm spiritually, but carry ourselves with peace and love and grace and compassion? You know, when we go to deliver these bags today, 6,000 bags, we're not just delivering a bag. We're carrying the presence of God into our community. We're carrying the presence of God onto our streets and on those doorsteps. And as we pray over those bags, did you know, did you realize even in the Old Testament that when people passed through Peter's shadow, they were healed? That when they touched Paul's handkerchief, they were healed? They didn't even need to be around Peter or Paul. 
Do you believe that actually the presence of God can rest on a grocery bag in someone's house to bring peace and hope and restoration? Do you believe that he would actually want to activate you and I to be a part of that plan and that process? Do you believe that when we walk down the streets, we're walking in the authority and the peace of God? Not just a feeling, not just an intellectual faith. The very nature and presence of God walking ahead of us and through us and in us. And so this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. I was thinking about this this week and Greg and Jess, you guys can come back up. I was thinking about this this week and how it seems so difficult for myself included to understand the power of the peace of God over my family. <laughs> Even last night, it was so weird. I, um, I was working here and, and Rochelle texted me and she said, are you home? And I said, no, um, I'm not really good at texting back. So that's all I said. And then I just kind of left the conversation. But she said, are you home? And, and it was weird. As I was driving home, these completely irrational thoughts took over my mind. And I'm thinking, well, what happened? Did somebody actually try and break in our house? Did, did she hear something? Was that actually someone? Did someone come in? And I'm not even joking you. I'm going through these scenarios of my wife and kids being killed. And halfway home, I, go, I stopped and I went, whoa, whoa, what is going on here? This is not from the Spirit of God. The enemy's trying to bait me into fear. He's trying to get me to hold up and not want to engage and not turn to Jesus. He wants to stop me in my tracks. The Bible says that he's like a roaring lion and the roar of a lion was meant to, to actually startle their, their prey into stopping in their tracks so that the lion could attack. And I believe with some of us, we have, I just believe this morning that Jesus actually wants to deal with your lack of peace and your fear and your anxiety. The things in your life that you're terrified to trust him with. The threads that you're clinging to, that you're just hoping hold on for another day, another moment. I believe that Jesus actually today wants to bring freedom to some of you so that you understand what it's like to walk in peace and not in fear and not in dread and not in worry and not in anxiety and not in sorrow and not in suffering and in slavery. And for some of you, things have been done to you that are unimaginable and unexplainable. And because of those things, you've, you've cocooned up in a ball and you're afraid to just let God do the work he needs to in your life. 
For some of you, it's relationships that have gone completely sideways and you're way past the point of knowing what to do and you're way past just being angry. You're at a standstill because you don't know where to go next, but you're afraid to just give it to Jesus. There's a few verses in the Bible I want to close with. Mark 11. 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen. And have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. This is what I want to key in on. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins too. And I just believe this week that the Holy Spirit was just really putting his finger on something. And it's so clear from that scripture and there's others that we, we stay stuck in the bondage of fear and anger and resentment, not because we don't want to get out sometimes, but sometimes, not always, but sometimes, it's unforgiveness where we've not fully trusted God to let it go and let that person go and ask God somehow in some way, God, I release what has happened to me or around me in Jesus' name. And the Bible says that that it's actually unforgiveness that blocks us from healing and restoration. It's unforgiveness that blocks us from peace and hope and life. I believe that he's created a space here this morning for us to receive that forgiveness and in so receiving that forgiveness to be filled with his peace and not a feeling but the very power of God working in you and through you in everything you face in your weeks to come, in your days to come. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.